SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Let's have some fun, huh? In the world of sports on a Tuesday here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. On this Tuesday, we get you set up with an early look at the divisional, or excuse me, conference championship weekend in the National Football League. Looking at some divisional opponents in the NFC who know each other very, very well and often in a one-sided rivalry. We also go around to see, can the Bengals do it again? Cincinnati Cinderella pulling off another upset in the postseason over a team they played not too long ago we'll go around the association a huge tuesday night in basketball both in the pro ranks in the nba and college hoops as well and a new ap poll and a new number one team in the country to discuss so much to get to on this fun tuesday here on the morning after it's a if it's a fun tuesday and there's so much to get to there's only one person we can count on to join us for the opening two hours of TMA on this Tuesday, which makes it another edition of the early after. Because right now, it is Kevin Walsh joining the show once again. One of the co-hosts of the early line each and every weekday morning from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern time. So when the early line in the morning after get together on a Tuesday, it's the early after. It's like our 11th straight Tuesday doing this. It's been about our fourth straight Tuesday since Turtleneck Tuesday became a thing. Led by Kevin Walsh, and yet again, mm-hmm. no turtleneck on old K-Dubs today. But still glad to have you here, K-Dubs. Yeah, no, look, great leader. It would be like someone being like, well, how can Bill Belichick coach football without wearing a helmet? <laughs> like, listen, I put the people in the position that they need to be in, yep. and we ultimately line them up, and we knock them down. Excited to be here, as always. The world of sports is rolling. You know I mean, you talk about the NFL. Brady, he's like, listen, I want to go host the early line. I don't blame him. Who wouldn't? <laughs> Right. This guy, Aaron Rodgers, is like, I want to move to New Jersey. Yeah, I hear you on that, pal. There's a lot of people that want to make a lot of decisions out there in the NBA, like Harden and Philly and A.D. walking his way back into the Barclays Center. I mean, it is just a delicious, delicious platter of sports news for us to dive into. K-Dubs, it sounds like a lot of people are coming for your position. One thing I will warn all of you out there, if you come for the crown of old K-Dubs, you best not miss because Kevin Walsh dropped some bars. But you know who might have dropped the hardest bar we have ever heard in the history of the world? That would be the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, following that wonderful, maybe the best football game ever on Sunday night against the Buffalo Bills. He was asked about those final 13 seconds when Patrick Mahomes came back onto the field for the Chiefs offense and led them 44 yards down the football field to set up that game-tying field goal to force overtime. Andy Reid was asked, what did you tell Patrick in that moment? And he said, when it's grim, be the grim reaper. Chills, chills there, K-Dubs. And now Patrick Mahomes has converted on that. 13 seconds will always be the barometer of what is too much time left for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. K-Dubs, you know you appreciate some bars. You know you appreciate when some people can spit. Andy Reid's certainly doing that on Sunday night. Here's the thing. If he legitimately said that to him before he (laughs) took the field, right, 
of course that's how that all played out, right? Like Mahomes is like, all right, what's the play call? And he's just like, hey, listen, man, when it's grim, you go be the grim reaper. Mahomes is like, I know the play call. I am the play call. <laughs> touchdown. They didn't even throw a touchdown on that play. Everything was tremendous. The radio audience, I you know what we were we welcome it a little later on the early line, but I'll I'll handle the deal right here. Radio <laughs> audience in full effect the morning after BWS's show, KW doing the talking though right now about Mahomes being the absolute man. Let me put this into perspective though here, Ben, about what he did. Because I know that was a quarterback battle. No Josh Allen slander. Don't you worry about it. But there is levels to this. See, because what Josh Allen did on the road consecutive postseason performances that were absolutely undeniable was against a defense, right? Without, without Tyron Matthew, who was immediately lost in that game. What Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes did, oh, yeah, that is the best defense in the NFL. I don't care what coping mechanisms Buffalo fans try and offer you. Number one by DVOA, fewest yards allowed per game, fewest points allowed per game. And when the season was on the line, he treated them like UMass football. That was outrageous from Patrick Mahomes, one of one, Ben. And, Kevin, a lot of people have said, whether it was overtime or those final 13 seconds, what was Buffalo doing defensively? Well, the reason they were in that spot and getting gashed in such a way is because of that Chiefs offense led by Patrick Mahomes. They were absolutely gassed and just devastated out there because of what Patrick can do orchestrating that Chiefs offense. And because of those 13 seconds, because of that game-tying field goal, Patrick Mahomes now is the favorite to win the Super Bowl MVP still on the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's a correlated marketplace. The favorite to win the Super Bowl is the Kansas City Chiefs at plus 125. The favorite to win the Super Bowl MVP is Patrick Mahomes at plus 170. The Rams have the second best odds at plus 210. You will see Matthew Stafford with the second best odds to win the Super Bowl MVP at plus 320. Nine of the last 12 Super Bowl MVPs have played the position of quarterback. That is why it is a correlated market, and that is why Patrick Mahomes is still the front runner because of the majesty he put out there on Sunday night. We look at the NFC Championship game, a rivalry up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Sure, it's a Tuesday, but football remains the focus. Conference championship weekend is on the horizon. No games on Saturday this weekend, sadly, but two on Sunday with a conference title on the line. The AFC championship game is up first for the Sunday slate, and then the nightcap is a battle in the NFC West for an NFC championship bout between the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. Obviously, as we break this down here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM, Channel 159, myself being Ben Stevens, alongside Kevin Walsh for the opening two hours of TMA on this Tuesday. Obviously, Kev, when you have this game between two divisional foes, they have played each other a ton. They've already played each other 
twice this year. And in fact, what stands out to me more than most, Kevin Walsh, is the line for this game because the spread is three and a half points in favor of Los Angeles. The over-under is 46 and a half. In the previous two meetings this year, and we'll see where this spread ends up, but in the two meetings in the regular season, it was L.A., as a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Niners. And San Francisco won both of those games outright as an underdog. What does that all say to you, the cosmic power of seeing another three-and-a-half-point spread? Well, look, so the plus three-and-a-half on San Fran checks in right now at a minus-120 price. So immediately that lets us know we're closer to a flat three than a four, or certainly a four-and-a-half. But... I think we need to kind of ask ourselves, there's a lot of things that could slash probably should have played out last round in the NFC that maybe would have had this line been at four, four and a half, maybe even a five. The Bucs should have lost to the Rams by about four touchdowns. Instead, they lost by less than four points. That was outrageous, but the Rams were way better than the Bucs in that game. The Niners' offense scored no offensive touchdowns in that game against the Green Bay Packers, but they won, so they're here. They also won by three. But the reality is, Ben, if you evaluate the two performances from these teams in the last round, one of them, through three quarters, put out an A-level effort, right? The other, through three quarters, put out an F-level effort, at least certainly on the offensive side of the football to me that three and a half is kind of them maybe saying hey look we just saw these teams and the rams were the better team just like they were against the box and ultimately squandered it here but it's probably a one where maybe even the, the folks in the room ben say yeah this should be four they're way better but that sometimes doesn't matter because maybe Kyle Shanahan just has some psychological advantage over a Sean McVay led team. And that might be the Trump card. Wow. It's like Kevin Walsh looked at the rundown or saw the graphic up in preview. That is a pros pro right there because that is the next topic of conversation for this divisional duel between the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. Now, of course, we know the long history between Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. They had worked together on multiple staffs as assistant coaches in the NFL. Sean McVay became the head coach in Los Angeles before the 2017 season. Kyle Shanahan became the head coach in San Francisco before the 2017 season. They have met 10 times since the start of the 2017 campaign. And the San Francisco 49ers have won seven of those 10 football games, including six straight. All six matchups in the previous three seasons have gone the way of the San Francisco 49ers, Kevin. So as you approach this game, a standalone game in the conference championship game in the NFC at the site of Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium, and you see those six results right there, does that affect the way that you view this matchup on Sunday between the 49ers and the Rams? You're lying if you say it doesn't, okay? You and I have these conversations about the way people present things throughout this business. We don't need to get on a long tirade about that, but there are some people who pretend to be above everyone else who will tell you, 
Come on, you think you think that matters that he's beaten six times in a row? Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, it keeps mattering every single time. With that being said, though, Ben, the fact that he beat Jared Goff, right, like that can't matter coming into this game. It's an advantage in terms of belief in the same way that Cincinnati rocks up to Arrowhead saying, hey, I beat this team. We beat this team. And we beat this team not that long ago. There is a level of belief that comes from that Niners team. But it's now, it's a little different, right? Where Cincinnati can go to Arrowhead and say, we can beat them. Where the Niners go, we own these guys. I mean, we are just the better football team when it all comes down to it. But here's one of the things that will – it's early. It's Tuesday. You don't have – like, I know there are people yeah. that like to get their money down on a Tuesday. Not me. So I don't have to make my decision yet. But I can tell you right now, for me, Ben, one thing that's going to probably keep me less worried about the Kyle Shanahan advantage is just the quarterback disparity. And I know people will say, well, that hasn't yeah. mattered in the prior matchups. I understand. However, we've played both for these teams, Ben, in the postseason twice, Right. And Matthew Stafford has been outrageous. He has been wonderful for the Rams. Jimmy Garoppolo has been bad. Not, not, man, Jimmy's thriving in the system like he usually is, or Jimmy's been passable. He has been outright garbage. Bad. Like, if they said Trey Lance was the starter this weekend, a party would be like, yeah, I get it. Bad. Like, Brian Flores absolutely starts Trey Lance if he was the coach of the Niners because he loved benching Tua and he would have benched Jimmy Garoppolo right here, right now. I think that, Ben, will probably weigh more than the fact that the Shanahan owns McVay thing. The Shan- I'll make this last point. Sorry, I'm going a little long here. But the Shanahan no, thing bad. would matter a little bit more if McVay was a defensive coordinator. Do you know what I mean? Where like it was like yeah. my side of the ball versus your side of the ball thing. But it's not. It's so interesting, Kevin, right? Because you talk about this idea that there are six straight victories that San Francisco can fall back on. But on this stage, in this moment, not a regular season game in week number 10, or not even that regular season finale where the Rams were already in to the postseason, but on this stage, a one-off scenario with a conference championship on the line, it's like how do you weigh the history in the regular season versus just these two teams going up against each other? We saw that play out as we tie this to college football, as I often do in my life, in the college football playoff national championship between Georgia and Alabama. Nick Saban owned Kirby Smart. Alabama had owned Georgia. And there was all those Cosmos working for the Tide. And then it took just one game for Georgia to get that bugaboo off their back and win a football game. Could that happen for the Rams with all that is on the line on Sunday? It's such an interesting dynamic and how it all pertains to your handicapping. By the way, even on a Tuesday, one of the co-hosts of the early line isn't willing to jump in on the early line. You guys might have to start calling that show K-Dubs and DRS in the AM. Just an idea. Anyway, as we look at the regular season finale between these (laughs) two teams. Thank you very much. I hope Donnie was watching that one. As we look at the regular season finale, okay, Dubs, it was a game that I think does lead us more into this one because of the stage for the 49ers. Now, what San Francisco has done over their last three football games is rather remarkable. A do-or-die spot in that regular season finale against L.A., down 17-0 late in the first half to rally back knowing they needed a victory to clinch a postseason berth. 
San Francisco does that on the road, winning outright as an underdog. Then, opening weekend, super wild card weekend in the playoffs, San Francisco goes on the road and wins outright as an underdog. And then last weekend, in Lambeau, in an ugly football game where they had 212 yards of total offense and didn't score a single touchdown offensively, they go on the road and win outright as an underdog. In my mind, K-Dubs, to do that four consecutive games is a very difficult task. Now we can go to the other side in the AFC. Will upsets be brewing in Kansas City? Find out next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A large spread in the AFC title game for the fourth straight season inside Arrowhead Stadium. A preview of that game and what it will take for the Bengals to pull off the upset right here, right now, on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens alongside old K-Dubs, Kevin Walsh, for the opening two hours of TMA on this Tuesday, which makes it another edition of the early after. So Kevin Walsh, the Cincinnati Bengals, a seven-point underdog against the Kansas City Chiefs this upcoming Sunday in the AFC Championship game. For AFC Conference Championship games, that's a rather large spread, but it makes sense because I don't know what number you could put this at that would get you two-way action as our sportsbook conciliary Dave Sherapan detailed yesterday on the morning after. So first, as you just approach that spread, what is your first thought as you see a touchdown number for a conference title game? To me, that's a Chiefs line. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that people will bet Cincinnati at the seven and say to themselves, oh, my worst case scenario is a push. But I also think people would have took the Bengals plus the points at six, maybe even five and a half. They, mm. They've... Won two games already this postseason. They've covered in both of those games, right? They played KC, and they were able to win that football game. Even if it was at home, they were able to win that football game outright. And I ultimately think that it jumps out to me that it is a very strong Kansas City line, which I can understand because what the Chiefs did there and you know for you know people are going to kind of do this all that was the Super Bowl thing and I understand why against Buffalo that is going to carry over right uh, the Chiefs still absolutely addicted to not scoring first so if you're a Chiefs better maybe just wait to bet it live because it just for refuse to score first it's just this insane thing that they like to do but one question I wanted to actually put back to you, Ben, because I'm struggling with this. Please. Here. I don't know if you're much of a teaser player, but, you know, even just kind of reading it, is on a six-point teaser, more likely people try and take KC down to one or bring Cincy mm. up to 13. I don't know which which is going to be the more popular teaser side. That's a great question. I think as you approach that number – it would make more sense to bring it down to one. And the reason I say that is because then you have the Chiefs in a scenario like we saw this past weekend in the divisional round in a short spread, even against a very good team. You pretty much just need to go 
and win the football game. And bringing it down from seven to one, you do break through two key numbers. You get it off that key number of seven and through that key number of three for a field goal, as opposed to the Bengals that brings you up to 13, but you're still under that two touchdown number. And I think just given our idea of how explosive the Chiefs offense could potentially be, two touchdowns, although it would be a decisive victory, doesn't seem like that much of an unreal expectation mm -hmm. for Kansas City. So I would look at it more maybe bringing it down to one, which Kevin ties into the idea of if it is down to one. And let's talk about it from that perspective. Pretty much a pick em football game. Because in our industry, what we do here on the Spiz Grizz, everything, and rightfully mm. so, is conceptualized through the odds and the spreads and the totals and the numbers as it should be. But for Cincinnati to cash in on that plus money value of plus 270 right now on the money line, what do you think the Bengals need to do to have a realistic opportunity to upset the Kansas City Chiefs outright in the AFC Championship game at Arrowhead? It's a, it's a really good question. I think, just knowing you, right, your favorite Cincinnati Bengal this offseason or postseason has been Evan McPherson, right? That's very Ben Stevens to me. To me, you need to not see Evan McPherson. Touchdowns, mm. not field goals. I've seen way too much Evan McPherson so far in the postseason for the Cincinnati Bengals. Evan McPherson made, what was it, four or was it five yep. field goals in that game against Vegas? A ridiculous amount. Basically comes out and, and does that again against Tennessee. In that game where they beat the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously, he only had two made field goals, and Joe Burrow threw for four touchdown passes. That is probably going to be the biggest change that Cincinnati is going to have to deliver here, Ben, from what we've seen from them through two games going into Arrowhead. Yep. Touchdowns, not field goals. Absolutely so, Kev. They have had opportunities both against the Raiders on Super Wild Card Weekend and last week against the Titans to really extend their leads or put things out of perspective, and they've had to settle for field goals. And thankfully, Evan McPherson has been a perfect 8-for-8 eight eight this postseason in his field goal tries and a perfect 3-for-3 on his extra points, but you don't want more field goal attempts than extra point, extra point tries, especially against the Kansas City Chiefs. And the odds indicate that cannot be the case if you are going to knock off the Chiefs because when you're a seven-point underdog and the over-under stands at 54.5, well, you certainly need to be moving things offensively. And if you look even further at the numbers, old K-dubs, there is a way it would seem for Joe Burrow and this Cincinnati offense to keep this game close. The passing props are already out from a yardage perspective mm. for the AFC title game on Sunday afternoon. It is, in fact, Joe Burrow at 287 in a hook with a higher passing yards prop than Patrick Mahomes right now on FanDuel at 285 and a half. If you want both of those guys together, both to go over, it seems, and put up large production in the passing game on Sunday, there is another market with some plus money that might entice you. Under the conference championship specials window on the FanDuel Sportsbook <laughs> for Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow to combine for 600 or more passing yards, that's a plus money price 
at plus 150. Kev, I bring this all up because it seems as though, like was the case last week against the Bills, we are in store for some offense on Sunday inside Arrowhead. The borrow number is, feels at least, quite light, right? Like, I think you have to make that 300 and a half and then make people think about whether they're going to bet someone to throw for 300 yards. Then they play it already. 446. Yep. 446. Vegas la- or Tennessee last week, rather, right? Not in that we control every aspect of the game, game script, like they kind of transition to against Vegas. Almost 350. They're a monster dog in the game. Supposed to be down the whole way. Josh Allen threw for 300. Not like that was boosted by mm. OT or, or anything of the nature. Big Ben would have thrown for 300 if he can complete a pass more than three yards downfield. I mean, that borrow number, again, like that, it feels light. And I'll tell you this, in the postseason, it's true throughout the NFL season, but the difference with the postseason is the numbers get posted a little bit earlier. I feel pretty confident, mm. Ben, telling you this right now. We talk about, oh, how's the total going to move? How's the spread going to move? Not Joe Burrow number. Tick, 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 up. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's 300 by the time we get to Sunday. That's a perfect assessment, I think, Kev, of the number. Because, listen, we're not here to talk about our own bets and boost our own bets and say how we did over a weekend. Yeah, but we this are. past weekend, I felt pretty good about my handicapping because I was trying to correlate numbers that I saw, whether in the prop market, a first half total, whatever it might have been, to how the game script was expected Mm -hmm. based on the odds. And that's really how you should try to do it in your prop market handicapping. So if you're looking at this game, and it's a seven-point spread in favor of KC with a large over-under at 54.5, for the Bengals to stay in this game, it will be offense that needs to win the day, and it will be Joe Burrow and that passing attack. So last week, when it was 278.5 against the Titans, I felt that if Joe Burrow got close to or went over his number, that would set up well for Cincy to pull off the upset. He finished with 348. So yes, he went over that number. And Kevin's spot on at 287.5. If Joe Burrow's under that, if he throws for 260 yards, unless Joe Mixon has a monster day, Bengals might not cover that seven-point spread. So I agree with Kevin. I think it's going up, up, and up. And again, if you look at that first matchup, back week number 17, the second-to-last week of the regular season in Cincinnati when the Bengals needed a win to clinch the AFC North, and the Chiefs were very competitive as well because they needed a win to earn the number one overall seed in the AFC. Joe Burrow that day threw for 446 yards and four touchdowns. Jamar Chase had 11 grabs for 266 yards and three touchdowns. Those 34 points that Cincinnati scored were the only time over the final 13 weeks of the NFL regular season the Chiefs defense allowed more than 30 points. So that was the recipe for success, Kev. The first time around, I think it's going to look similar or at least should look similar if Cincinnati wants success on Sunday. Yeah, I, I look, ultimately for the Bengals, if you can run it with Mixon, that's great. But I, I, it's And it's been good. We've kind of moved off of that very false narrative that the way to beat the Chiefs was to hold them to 17 and run the football and there only be like seven possessions in a game. That doesn't exist. But the thing is, Cincinnati knows that. Again, he threw for 446. Now, if Mixon's running and cooking, that's great. Beat a team in different ways. But again, there are so many game scripts, Ben, as you're saying, 
that pointing to Burrow just absolutely letting it rip. And Jamar Chase's receiving yards prop is already out on the FanDuel Sportsbook as well. 82 and a half for the rookie wide receiver who has gone over 100 in the first two playoff games of his career this postseason for Cincinnati. We switch it up. We go to the NBA around the association with K-Dubs next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Around the association we go here on the morning after on a Tuesday on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the Sports Grid network. If it's a Tuesday and Kevin Walsh is here on TMA, that means it's another edition of the early after. I am Ben Stevens, and now the time is to focus on the NBA. A huge Tuesday night, Kev, in the NBA this evening. But first, let's look back on the smaller slate last night on a Monday. The Oklahoma City Thunder have been booked as an underdog in all but two games this year. The Oklahoma City Thunder are a 14-33 NBA basketball team, but the Oklahoma City Thunder are now tied for the best ATS record in the entire NBA, covering nearly 64.5% of their games. Last night, they made it interesting against the Chicago Bulls in Oklahoma City. The Bulls still winning, though, 111 110 the spread closed at one point in favor of Chicago so technically a push on the number but Kevin credit to OKC and then we also look at Chicago who has been struggling a little bit trying to battle its way back to the top of the Eastern Conference what did you take away from the Bulls effort last night yeah, look, I think it's a good point by you. OKC has been doing this for the last three years now. Chris Paul showed up, whatever it is. They, they find a way to cover, uh, regardless of the record. So you give them a lot of credit for that. They're just a good bet. In the same way, we talk Lakers, we talk Nets. If they're playing, you bet against them. Hard for people to choose tonight. Uh, you, you certainly can kind of just bet OKC on a regular basis, and it's been working out for you now for a little bit. But on the Chicago side, here's what I thought was really interesting about it. And it's a great lesson for people uh, as it pertains to sometimes betting the props market. So Zach Levine enters the fold, second leg of a back-to-back, first game back for him after missing uh, a couple of games. DeMar DeRozan was out. So you basically were able to take what the Bulls did against Orlando, bad game, right, and say, okay, DeMar's, you know, 40-ish minutes out, here comes Zach Levine. But Ben, they go, ooh, actually, it's a minutes restriction for Zach Levine, right? So party says, huh, that's interesting. I saw Zach Levine points prop posted at 22 and a half finishes with 23 Mm. six of 19 shooting three of 10 from beyond the arc seven rebounds seven assists here's the thing about that though ben if you lined up on zach levine unders you might say "Ah, hard almost had it he played 35 minutes what was the minutes restriction was he not allowed to play if it went to overtime was it was the plan to play him 48 minutes against oklahoma city here's why i emphasize that we'll get there i'm sure a little bit later Anthony Davis returns tonight. We're probably going to hear about a minutes restriction. Yeah, we'll Mm. see. Minutes restrictions go out the window when star players are trying to close a game. Just the truth of the matter. So my point is, if someone has a minutes restriction, 
but it's very vague, maybe we just step back. Maybe we just step back and not line up on some automatic unders, lose some money that way. I mean, Zach Levine last night in his return, 23 points, 7 assists, 7 boards. Nikola Vucevic continues to be a double-double man, 26 points, 15 boards. And like Kevin mentioned, OKC has been doing this. And there is a guy on the Thunder by the name of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, otherwise known as SGA in the NBA circles. 31 points, 10 dimes last night for SGA, a game-high 31 points and again OKC is 14 and 33 straight up this year that's not great they've been an underdog in all but two games this year which shows you how the market perceives the Thunder but yet tied for the best ATS record and the best cover percentage in the NBA 29 16 and 2 against the spread overall elsewhere last night Kevin Walsh before we move forward to this big Tuesday night of basketball around the association the Phoenix Suns, with the NBA's best record, continue to win basketball games. The Suns have won seven straight now by knocking off the Utah Jazz last night, 115-109. The Suns have won 10 of their last 11 games, covering seven times in those 10 wins. However, last night, as a double-digit 12.5-point favorite at home against Utah, it's the Jazz that cover. But Kevin, the Jazz now are struggling. They've lost two straight eight of their last 10 as well, which stands out to you more right now as you look at the Western Conference overall. Yeah, ultimately, it's the Phoenix side that jumps out to me for an odd reason, though. So the Suns are a team that you actually can fade against the number. Not consistently. Again, not that's Lakers way. But they're not, they're 37 and 9. Their ATS record is not, you know, it's not match match. It's not like for like. The Phoenix Suns, and I know this is not a way that people love to play things, they're one of the more bizarrely trustworthy money line parlay team. If you're someone that prefers that, or to steal from our guy Jay Wide, who's a great job at the scouting report, the player performance double market. CP3 just wakes up and has a double-double there. He's averaging double-digit assists at this point. The, you know, the, the result there, right? Suns win and a Chris Paul double-double. Or Devin Booker for 25 and a Suns win. Because the one thing about this Phoenix team, with only nine losses on the season, go through the losses, Ben. Mm. First of all, three of them came in their first four games, which is wild to think. So just go since then. Golden State at the Clippers, at Boston, home against Golden State, and then a home against the Memphis Grizzlies. By one, by the way. So you go through those other six losses, right? And then a home game against Miami where the Heat made one billion three-point shots, I'm pretty sure. For the most part here, they're a reliable team to win. And why I know we're mm. always talking spreads, we don't need to lose sight of that. 37-9 is very impressive, and there are still ways to capitalize when you can feel as confident as most people should that the Suns will cross the finish line when the clock hits zero. 42 of 48 games this year for Phoenix, booked as a favorite, 23-19 and 19 against the number. Meanwhile, Utah, who's one of those teams in the Western Conference that has shorter odds to win the conference championship, although Kevin Walsh would tell you never have a ticket Correct. on the Utah Jazz to do anything in the postseason. Utah now has lost eight of their last 10, only covering twice in that 10-game span, including last night as a 12 and a half point underdog covering that number despite losing two straight. So let's move forward to a huge Tuesday night. Not far away from us, old K-Dubs. 
in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. A marquee matchup. The Nets and the Lakers. Right now, the Lakers, a four-point road favorite. As of last check, early this morning for this matchup tonight at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Kevin, did it surprise you at all to see Los Angeles as a road favorite in this game? No, actually, it didn't. Um, I as well, I had a conversation with Consig on radio, and he goes, really, they're favored? I'm like, yeah, like the, the Nets aren't playing outrageously good basketball. It's Harden by himself. If I remember correctly, the last Harden at home by himself game was a loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Not great. The New Orleans game is, I think, the game that Durant played a little bit in but ultimately got injured. So I, I look at this here, and I think it makes some sense. Because here's the one thing you have to remember. Obviously, the Anthony Davis return. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yep. But let's just remove the Lakers for just one second. The Brooklyn Nets, legendarily bad at covering at home. I mean, truly, it's unimaginable. I always think about this, right? Because, Ben, I know you like to go to games. I love them myself. When the opportunity arises, I'm sure plenty of folks out there do. You go to games, sometimes you're like, ooh, let me bet on the game, especially with sports betting legal in New York. If you go to the Barclays Center, you're like, ooh, I got to back the guys tonight. Let's lay the number. Terrible results. 5-17-1 against the spread at home this season. Mm. I mean, it is – what? 5-17? It is a just, just nightmarish, truly, for that team and that record that they present at home this season against the spread – Though there's certainly some Laker numbers that are uh, interesting as well. I mean, that's a great point, Kev, because you have the Nets as a home team, 5-17-1 against the number, like you said. Without Kevin Durant, they have been booked as an underdog in three of their last four games. This was a team in Brooklyn booked as a favorite, and rightfully so, for most of this season. Now, L.A. has lost five of their last seven games, and the only times they covered were in those two wins, and they've been a favorite in four of their last seven. The Lakers, as a favorite, if the Nets aren't good at home, well, the Lakers aren't good against the number as a favorite either. 11-21 ATS. This might not be a game you want to bet on. The Lakers have the second-highest over percentage in the NBA right now on FanDuel. The total is 227 but maybe then kev we go to the prop market maybe we look at lebron james who is quickly becoming mm -hmm. the leading scorer in the nba or maybe do we find some value on the return of the brow in anthony davis tonight in brooklyn so i'd love to not be a person of integrity move on talk props but that's not what i am despite what maybe people will say i always give you both sides of the coin the Lakers, have, I, I mean this, I'm not being dramatic. It pains me to say what I'm about to say. The mm. Lakers have played 15 games this season with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. 15 games, okay? They are 8-7 and seven straight up in those games. Ben, do you know what their ATS record is this year with LeBron and Anthony Davis in the lineup? Do you want to guess or do you want me to just give it to you? Just give it to me. Rip off the Band-Aid if you wouldn't mind. 2-12-1 against the spread. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Two t Sir! Huh? What? 2-12-1? Are you kidding me? You can't bet the Lakers tonight. My stomach hurts right now. 2-12-1? That doesn't make any sense. That makes... What? 2 are, hey, are two of the best players in the NBA on the court? Fade them. Every time. Every time. 
It's that, awful. It's so, so bad. Two twelve and one. I, I wish my research was wrong, but it's not. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. You could you could tell the anguish in which OK Dubs said that. It did not oh. bring him joy to no. say those words. Kevin Walsh, if he wasn't a man of the people on in play sports tonight on the Spiz Grizz, would be in Brooklyn for the Barclays Center tonight in the matchup between the Nets and the Lakers. Not to see the hometown team in Brooklyn, but to watch LeBron James and Los Angeles. So yeah, that rather painful. The spread right now, just two and a half points in LA's favor. Again, over and two straight for Los Angeles. Seven of the last nine for the Lakers. This is actually the second lowest total at 227 for the Brooklyn Nets in their last six games. Another very good one out west tonight. Up in San Francisco, Golden State and Dallas. Right now, Kev, the Dubs a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Mavericks, who are an underdog despite winning 11 of their last 13 games. My focus is the total at 210 right now because we have the two highest under percentages in all of the NBA. Dallas the highest, 71% of their games hitting an under 32 in total, the most in the NBA. Golden State, the second highest under percentage at nearly 66% of their games going under, 29 in total, tied for the second most total unders in the NBA along with the Cavs. What is your approach to this matchup between Golden State and Dallas? People in the room have to be playing a joke, right? They're like, you know how people like want the the awful proposal for the NFL overtime rule to be like, you pick where you start on the field. It's like odds makers are like, all right, wh- what do you post? Like two ten and a half. I bet you they'll still bet over. They played once this year. Ben gave you all the legendary levels of under that they played. They played this year, Ben. 99-82 was the final score. What? Cancel this game and give both teams a loss disgusting and an under as well so i can bet it tonight we round out our number one with nfl before going to nba in hour two stay with us on the grid sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com An early look to conference championship weekend early in this week on a Tuesday on the early after or the morning after right here on SportsGrid. Ben Stevens and Kevin Walsh here with you in this opening hour. We bring you up until noon Eastern time. Kevin is here on the other side of the break as well for a second consecutive hour right here on TMA. But we round out this first hour by hearing from you. A look to conference title games on Sunday in the quarterback position. We do that right now in Fade the Public. Kevin Walsh is a man for the people of the people at all times. So we asked the people, K-Dubs, of the four quarterbacks playing this weekend on Sunday, who will turn the ball over the more, the most? Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Matthew Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo. Unsurprisingly, 
the two favorites right now are coming from that NFC Championship game. And Jimmy G has the good majority of this vote. 46% say Jimmy Garoppolo will turn the ball over the most on conference championship weekend. Kevin Walsh, are you fading the public? Not even a little bit. Good job, people. Here's the thing about hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo. He was minus 130 uh -oh. to throw a pick against Dallas. And in an impossible game script, still did that. Then they went to minus 148 against Green Bay. Little more juice, but luckily, you didn't have to sweat it at all. First half winner. I can't wait to see what the number is against the Rams. Make it minus 200. People are going to bet the yep. plus money. It's a trap. He's throwing a pick. The last time they played, he threw two picks. I He's throwing a pick. Here's the thing. Here's the answer why it's Garoppolo. You have an advantage because he's already thrown one. I mean, just you probably throw two, maybe three. What a he's so bad, man. He's so bad. I take one to the house on him. Dion high stepping out of way. Whoa! Okay, Dubs hitting a stiff arm as he glides mm -hmm. right past the plot pylon. We glide into hour number two here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Stay with us.